0: The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 21st chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching, and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question, if you will tell me the answer then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things." Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second son and the, and asked the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, Truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
1: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, and from the Holy Spirit, the one who is present wherever you are. Maybe you've asked a question like this before or had one yelled at you. Who gave you the right? Who made you the boss of me? Who do you think you are? Sound familiar? We have been issuing questions like this since childhood. I think in those innocent years, they helped us to make sense of the order of things and who actually does have given or earned authority to make decisions on our behalf. But as we mature, we may refine the questions a bit, but the sentiment is still there. We're trying to suss out quite a bit of the time who has the power, and how they got it. Now, if you've paid attention to this past week in political news at all, you know that it has been all about who has the power. All week long, we've listened to the back and forth, declarative statements, and then followed by threats. And all of that has been wrapped up in several layers of hypocrisy and arrogance. At one point, I heard an NPR reporter just call it for what it is. Let's be honest, she said, this is no longer about a good argument. This is simply a grab for power. In the midst of this very charged political climate, here are some of the questions that we as a nation and a people have been chewing on. Who or what gives someone authority? How can power be used to lead and to strengthen rather than to manipulate and control. And then this one. Is true authority earned or entrusted or taken? As I listen to both the people of this congregation, the people that I'm talking to in my friend groups or my neighborhood or my family, and then to the national news, I can name a sort of very real fear behind some of the questions People are asking about authority in this day and time. And do you know that people in first century Rome had some very similar questions and fears? And this was front and center in our reading for today. They come and they ask Jesus, by what authority? By what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? People want to know. Who gives Jesus the right to speak and act and lead with such assurance and bold action? As we've done and will continue to do throughout this series we're calling Unafraid, we turn now to the wisdom of Jesus and Jesus' actions to find a message of hope in the face of such fears. So some context around this story is really helpful. You see, these chief priests and these elders, they come with their question of of authority for Jesus just right after two things have happened. First, they've watched the palm parade uh, where Jesus rides into Jerusalem and crowds of people are gathering around, paying homage to him, laying down on the ground, um, putting their coats and palm branches down. Now, this kind of celebration is usually reserved for a military leader or a governor or an emperor. Certainly not for someone who's riding a donkey and looks like Jesus. So that's the first thing. The second thing that has happened is right after that palm parade, Jesus arrives at the temple in Jerusalem and he is angry, to say the least, about what he sees happening there. The temple has become this marketplace and money changers and greed is all around. And Jesus angrily overturns those tables and declares that this house that is supposed to be a house of prayer has become a hideout for thieves. Now, as mad as Jesus was about that, these chief priests and elders have become indignant about the fact that Jesus is assuming some power they don't think he should have. So when Jesus arrives the next day and begins to teach the the, the crowds, the chief priests and the elders are right there, ready to find out who he thinks he is. Like children, These chief priests and elders demand to know who gave you the right? Who made you the boss of me? Who do you think you are? Jesus often answers a question by asking another question, and this is the case here. His question forces those temple elite into a no-win situation. If they answer one way, all of their vulnerability before Rome will be exposed. If they answer the other way, the crowd will be on them in no time. The crowd will rise up against them. And so they sort of slink away into the background, and under their breath, they answer Jesus' question with, we don't know. When they refuse to answer, then Jesus turns to telling a story. And he tells this story about a father and two sons. The father asks the sons to go out and to work in the vineyard. And the first son says, He will go, but then he doesn't go. The second son says, Too busy, I'm not going to go, but then he goes. Jesus is making a profound statement here about integrity being at the heart of this parable and at the heart of what gives a person authority. You see, the chief priests and the elders, they are like that first son. Their words convey the right answer, the correct message. Yes, we'll go. Their appearance, their um, connection to a higher authority, their position in the temple and the government portray all of the right things. Everything about them looks right. But there is no action. They speak and teach God's law, but they do not live in the way of God's law of love. Then, Jesus points out, look at these tax collectors and prostitutes. This is two groups of people that are synonymous in that time with sin in the eyes of the crowd. Jesus says they have listened to John speak about repentance and the way of Jesus, and they have turned and they are following Jesus, seeking to learn from Jesus. Now, here is a group of people who have absolutely no outward appearance no words that are consistent with temple expectations. They cannot recite God's law like these temple elders. But when they are called to follow, they follow. Now this is where the astute 21st century listener should be saying, well, so what? What does this have to do with me? With the very fear, real fears that we are facing about authority and power in this moment in history. What does this story have to do with how I might respond or find an answer of hope as a follower of Jesus? You see, what Jesus is pointing out is that the way of Jesus is the way of integrity and honesty and respectability. Jesus points out to these temple leaders who have tried to silently sleek away that their outward action is not matching up with their flashy position or the power they have been given under Rome or their superficial claims of power under God's name. Jesus points, out, points instead to this act of repentance by a group of perceived sinners, they who have acknowledged their own disreputable pasts and now seek to live and act in accordance with the way of Jesus. Now, this is not about perfection. No human alive is perfect under the law, or under leadership, or in their love for neighbor. Jesus' command here is for us to repent, to turn from our own human desire to get and have power, the power we think that we deserve to have, and to turn to the way of God's power, which is found in humility and compassion. You see, the hypocrisy leveled at these chief priests and elders in Jesus' day is the same hypocrisy that many people see among Christians today. I mean, Christians, we we say that we follow Jesus, but many will say that they do not see us acting in the way of Jesus They say, you Christians, you may speak messages of grace and inclusion, but it actually only seems like you're including people just like you. They say you may stand for life, but your actions appear to be only standing for certain types of life. I am reminded of this Ruth Bader Ginsburg quote that has been posted and posted and reposted all week long since her death last Friday. She said, fight for the things you care about, but do it in a way that others, uh, do it in a way that will lead others to join you. You see, following Jesus means making every effort possible to match up our actions to our words. This week, I got to meet the folks over at, uh, uh, from the Lake Nokomis Lutheran folks who live down at uh, Nokomis Square. It was wonderful to meet these faithful people, but I I want you to know about an act of integrity and hope that I witnessed in this gathering of people. You see, as the members of this church gathered, Nancy Johnson had also invited one of her neighbors who lives in the building, who is also a member of St. Stephen's Catholic community to join the group. Each person around that circle shared where they were born, which led to a conversation about growing up in a time and a place where religious authorities, be it be Catholic priests or Lutheran pastors or parents of growing children, said it was absolutely not okay to associate with someone of a different religion. People remembered growing up and hearing their Lutheran pastor telling them the way of Jesus was to love your neighbor, But not your catholic neighbor and vice versa on monday september 21st 2020 in that circle of people gathered outside nicomas square those old tapes of what who had authority were being erased and rewritten i saw these neighbors sort of leaning in and listening to this new catholic friend as she leaned in to listen to them and their stories what power and integrity there is in this way of Jesus to learn and to listen to and to act with love toward those who are so very different from us. Now, this is who we are called to be as people of faith who engage in the political and civil arena today. And so we gather together to ask God to give us strength to make sure that our actions match our words, And this is a prayer for integrity. We ask God for courage to admit when we are wrong or have wrongly judged our neighbor. And this is a prayer for honesty. We ask God to place a hope within us that when we speak, we do it with empathy and kindness on behalf of the vulnerable, the victims, and the ones who have suffered oppression and discrimination. And this is respect. Now, may I turn just for one last minute to those three questions of authority that we have been asking since childhood? Who gave you the right? It's not a great question. It's not about right, it's about righteousness. And righteousness grows within us as we seek to follow Jesus' command to love God and neighbor. Who made you the boss of me? No one and everyone. Martin Luther said that these two things are true at the same time. A Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. And a Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. Finally, who do you think you are? You are a named and claimed child of God. You have been blessed to be a blessing. When that good news sinks into your bones, may you respond with your hands and your feet and your voice and your whole heart. And may they proclaim, thanks be to God. Amen.